Welcome to Two Nuts in a Pod. I'm Lizzie Carraway. And I'm Emery Williamson. And we're psyched to talk to you today, as always. We're going to do something a little bit different today, Mm -hmm. but before we talk about that, Emery, where can they find us? Where can they find us? So first you can find us on Facebook. We are Two Nuts in a Pod on Facebook. Uh, You can simply search us on Facebook, uh, <laughs> if I didn't make that clear. And then on uh, Find Us to Listen to Us, you can listen to us on Stitcher, SoundCloud, and iTunes. We're on all of those. And you can email us through Gmail. You can email us at two nuts in a podcast at gmail.com. It's not two nuts in a pod, it's two nuts in a podcast at gmail.com. And you can email us with questions you have comments about any episode that we have if you have any suggestions if you just want to talk about sad shit anything you want you can email us and we'll respond back and we do appreciate the feedback and communication so and that's that's it that's all the business stuff yeah oh and we're on instagram as well oh we are yes oh okay Um, i don't even know that world yeah very because i'm not on instagram so i have no idea what that even entails is that is that followers or, or likes or friends followers, yeah, both. <laughs> um, yeah so it's two nuts in a pod with the number two two nuts in a okay. pod i try to post stuff that's like going to be helpful for mental health um sometimes like quotes or resources articles random reflections so follow us that would be awesome so facebook and instagram yeah and you can yeah. message through instagram too yeah so that's it. Talk to us. We love hearing feedback, and people have given awesome feedback so far, and it's so inspiring and really helps us keep going. Or um, if you're someone that wants to tell your own story, too, because usually when we interview someone, you know, they're they're telling their own mental health story. So feel free to say, hey, I would like to uh, talk about my own story and be on your show. Exactly. We need all the stories. So what we're going to do today, since we're actually doing a solo episode today, so just Lizzie and Emery, 100%. And so we decided that in most episodes, since we're kind of covering like a lot of ground, you know, we're looking at someone's mental health history, that today we wanted to go into a little more depth about kind of what the day-to-day looks like for us uh, dealing with depression anxiety, any other various things that can affect mental health, insomnia. And so we're just going to kind of walk through a day. But first, we're going to do some roses and cow shit. Roses and cow shit sounds pretty good. Yeah. I mean, we can't get our show started without roses and cow shit. Well, we have business first, and then we have our roses and cow shit. Yeah. yeah, It is crucial. Yeah, got to have that venting time. Yeah. Oh, God, yeah. Do you want to start or do you want me to start? You can start. Okay. So I always start with cow shit because, you know, depression, you have a negativity bias. So uh-huh. I got to focus on the negative first. <laughs> so my cow shit is that for the past month, I have been 
like very depressed and anxious at the same time. Uh, usually that doesn't happen to me because, well, for one thing, I'm, I'm usually not, my depressions usually don't last a month. I mean, they'll last a few days and even a few days feels long. Yeah. Like when you're depressed, like time just like stretches. It's like, oh my God, what do I do with this day? Every minute feels like an hour. It's like, oh my gosh. So a whole month of that was like really tested my strength and like was really difficult. I mean... It, it's these feelings of like, oh my gosh, like, like I wasn't enjoying music, like looking at things that usually make me happy, like looking at flowers. I'm like, I got nothing. I don't, I don't fucking care. I mean, fucking we're all going to die. What's the point of flowers? <laughs> I just go into this like deep existential depression where I'm like, oh, what are we all even doing? We're all going to die. This is so sad. Like what? <laughs> but then on top of that. I, having the anxiety, like usually I cycle between depression and anxiety. Mm-hmm. It's like the anxiety wears me out, then I'm tired, and then the depression kicks in. And the depression's almost like a nice little break from the anxiety. Yeah. It's like, oh, cool, I don't have to do anything. I'm, I'm just, sad again. <laughs> oh, this feels nice. This is just my base level. But having them at the same time is like, it's really hard. And I'm reading this book right now called Reasons to Stay Alive by Matt Haig. Where he talks about his, you know, suicide, not an attempt, but really severe suicidal ideation. Mm-hmm. And it's a great book for anyone who either suffers from anxiety and depression or knows somebody who does, because he really describes it well. But he talked about depression and anxiety at the same time. He compared it to being in this like swamp, you know, chest deep in this like murky lake. But then on top of that, there's, like, alligators everywhere, like, swirling around in fast motion. (laughs) And then there's people on the shore just, like, chilling (laughs) on a nature walk. So that's kind of what it feels like. Yeah. It's not fun. Wouldn't recommend it. Not a fun experience. (laughs) But my rose is that it really kind of forced me to deal with a lot of negative thinking patterns. Mm -hmm. I realized that... I just have this script all day long of just negative thinking. You know, anything I see, even things that bring me joy for two seconds, I'll immediately think of something negative that happened related to those things. And just realizing my confidence is just crap. I have the worst self-esteem and confidence. And it's been like that forever. I'm excited because I made an appointment with a new therapy place uh, that actually Katie Kabitsky recommended. It's called The Bridge. Oh, yeah. Um, And... Really excited to kind of start. I haven't been in therapy in a few months, so I'm really excited about that. And the place is just cool. They have free meditation and yoga classes every week. Oh, wow. And I went to the meditation, and it was amazing. That's awesome. It's called The Bridge? Yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah, so that's my rose. I'm very looking forward to working on myself. Like, I also got an antidepressant that actually seems to be working Good. Hell yeah. So hopefully I'm kind of stabilizing on the medication thing. and But I had to fight for it because my therapist didn't want to prescribe me an SSRI. She's convinced it's going to make me manic. Mm-hmm. I don't know why she's stuck in this diagnosis that I might be bipolar. She's like, oh, well, you know, that's going to... That's just going to make you manic, and then you'll be right where you started. I'm like, I've taken SSRIs mm-hmm. a ton in my life. I know how they affect me. I know that they can pull me out of a depression and are really effective 
at least for a few months. And then when the kind of triggering event wears off, then sometimes I can wean off of them. Yeah. Or maybe I stay on them for a couple years. Yeah, so the combination of therapy and antide- a good antidepressant, Vibrid, if anyone's interested. Nice. It's a cool name, too. That is a cool name. Vibrid. Vibrid. With two I's. Is this a, does it start with a V? It's V-I-I-B-R-Y-D. Because it makes me think of hybrid and viper connected. Oh, so yeah. So I like that. Yeah. <laughs> so I like it, too, so far, except it's making me, like, a little nauseous. But hey, cool way to lose the pounds. Oh, no. Right? <laughs> <laughs> There's an upside to everything. Well, that's great. I uh, guess getting into my cow shit and roses. Uh, so, my cow shit, I'm, so I'm currently eating right now. So, I hope that doesn't come through on the podcast. I'm eating my strawberries and my grapes. Yeah. (laughs) Just hear me chewing a strawberry. I'm also, I don't know if anybody else eats the entire strawberry, but I do. Oh, you go for it. I eat the whole fucking thing. In one go? Just like... No, not always in one go, but sometimes. I eat the whole strawberry and I eat the whole apple. And the whole apple doesn't freak people out as much as the whole strawberry, but I'm like... the. The little green part of the top, we're just throwing them away. Yeah. So I just eat it. It's just, it's roughage, you know, just some green. See, the yeah. apple freaks me out more. Oh, really? I don't know. It's something <laughs> about the apple seeds. I'm, I'm like a five-year-old imagining they're going to grow in your stomach. Grow inside of you. Yeah. yeah. So that's what I'm doing right now. And I'm doing that because my schedule has been a little chaotic today. So I woke up at 5.30 this morning. This is my cow shit part. I woke up at 5. 30, 515, whatever, who remembers, I don't care. Mm-hmm. Um, and I had to be at, uh, I am a volunteer clinic escort at the uh, EMW Women's Surgical Clinic here in Louisville, and it is known as the abortion clinic. And it's the only clinic in the state of Kentucky that provides abortion services. It also provides numerous other services as well. So I'm one of those people that wears an orange vest, and uh, today was particularly difficult because today is, it's, the day before Mother's Day, and uh, I've been doing it for a little over two years, and today was just, it was hectic and chaotic, and there was, you know, maybe, I don't know, it was 50 to 100 protesters, it was a lot, uh, I didn't see all of them, because I'm only in the front, and they were just particularly antagonizing and aggressive today, and it just kind of, once I was done, and I, I was finished at nine, so I was standing for two and a half hours, and just once I was done, I had texted Lizzie that I was emotionally spent today. Because it's just, for me, it's very frustrating and difficult to watch other individuals treat people like that. And if you aren't familiar with the clinic here, it is a clinic where you can just walk up on the street from. There's no private parking for individuals who use the services of the clinic. So they have to, they have to always walk through a crowd of protesters. And it's people holding signs of grotesque images. It's people, you know, yelling at them, yelling homophobic, racial, sexist slurs, um, and, like, aggressively, like, yelling Like, calling them, like, B-words and stuff? You don't really hear that very much, but you do hear some pretty awful things. I mean, if it's any... If it's any person that if it's in, if it's any black person coming to the facility, you know you'll always have people yell "Black Lives Matter," but you're thinking, okay, this is the only time you ever yell something like oh that or seem to gosh. care about it. Wow! Um, and you'll hear so just some statements that are very disturbing. And then today, particularly because you had the typical protesters, and then you had the other protesters that come in because it's a Easter and Mother's Day weekends are typically those weekends that are, there's there's significantly more protesters. And so, yeah, just this, this was a very difficult day and it's hard for me to, you know, because we as an, as a volunteer escort, we're, 
you know, trained to de-escalate any situation. We don't interact with those protesters. We actually call them antis, not protesters, call them antis. We don't interact with the antis. I don't really make contact with them. I don't acknowledge them. I just do what I'm supposed to do. And that can be a little difficult. Sometimes you're just like, I just want to punch this person in the face, and I can't do that because um, that would actually make things much worse. Yeah. So you just take it. And, and you know, they, they'll attack you. They'll attack anybody verbally, of course, because physically they would get arrested. But, you know, today I got, I got pushed today. Um, and it had been a little while since I'd been pushed. And this was the first time I was back on the line for a few months because of the injury. I didn't go back out there. Um, I had separated my shoulder, so now I felt okay to go back, and I picked a weekend that was, you know, required significantly more time and commitment and vigilance during the during the whole process. So that was kind of my cow shit was just seeing others treat people in a very vulnerable state like they are less than human, and that yeah. to me is just, you know, it's it's disturbing, it's disgusting, it's deplorable, and it just. Uh, it really, you know, I left and I was like, I got to just fucking spend some time by myself and not do anything else. And, you know, it. and Lizzie and I talked about this before. There's the, um, I forgot what the quote says. I could probably just pull it on my phone, but I'm too lazy right now. Um, it's a Thomas Merton quote that talks about the the self-inflicted violence that we commit unto ourselves. And, and I felt like that maybe even today, because today I had all these different commitments. I've got something this morning podcast and then later this afternoon and it's a lot of things that I'm doing and committed to because I care and I want to give as much as I can to like you know make the world a better place but you can only put so much on your shoulders and so much on yourself so tomorrow is a very like calm even though I got Mother's Day well that's calming for me because I'm with my family so it's a very calm day for me tomorrow but today is just it's a lot and this morning was just like, whoo, <laughs> good morning. <laughs> like, yeah. just a lot of cow shit to deal with. And um, it, is, it is possibly worse than people think of what that scenario is like. And anyone that has ever used the resources of that clinic there, you know, that's, that's just, I can't even imagine what that's like for someone to go through. And that's one reason why I got involved, because I care a lot about reproductive rights and reproductive justice and... I figured, okay, well, I'm going to do something about it. I'm going to go down there and get involved. And I'm pretty, I'm pretty good at not if I, if someone's trying to antagonize me, I'm, I'm pretty good at not like, you know, responding back. Uh, I know that I talked with my mom about this, and she was like, I would punch someone in the face. <laughs> I was like, well, that's why you're not down here. You I can... think I'd have, I'd have a hard time keeping yeah. a straight face. I don't have a poker face. Like you see all of my emotions. Yeah. I can do a, a poker face, and I can really not respond. I mean, I had one guy today uh, was yelling at me straight to my face and holding a sign up for me to look at and then telling me to look up to the heavens to see where God is. And, you know, I just look back and forth. I make no emotions, no eye contact. And that's not easy uh, <laughs> uh, because I want to be like, dude, get the fuck away from me. Also, yeah. I also kind of want to make fun of you, too. But I'm not going to do that because that only antagonizes them and escalates a situation that's already very tense. Uh, so we are trained not to do that. So, yeah, that was kind of the cow shit this morning. And then the rose um, stems from a few different things. So I recently read, and I'm going to have to pull out my phone and look at it. I read a, uh article, um, and hold on one second, pulling it out. It was in, I forgot the magazine, or it was. I just read it online. 
Um, but it was by Melanie Hamlet, published last week, early May, May 2nd. Uh, it's called Men Have No Friends and Women Bear the Burden. And mm. the um, subtitle is Toxic Masculinity and the Persistent Idea that Feelings are a Female Thing, Female Things in Quotes, has left a generation of straight men stranded on emotionally stunted island, unable to forge intimate relationships with other men. It's women who are paying the price. And basically that men often use women, or use especially their significant others, as their only means of emotional support. Wow. And it's like a crutch that men use. And it's essentially abuse towards women because it's saying, I can't extend myself to other men. I can't find other resources. I'm not doing therapy. I'm just going to rely on the person I'm with and put all my emotional baggage and shit on their shoulders, which, you know, they may also already be carrying a bunch of emotional baggage and shit on their shoulders. Mm -hmm. And it was a lot of self-reflection. It made me realize, hey, I've, you know, maybe I've done that at times. And I've, you know, I've had... You know, I've had, I've gone through therapy, I've talked with family members, I've had other support networks, but I know like early on in relationships that I put a lot of my emotional needs onto my significant other's shoulders and how unfair that was and how maybe that it could even be considered abuse. So that, that made me a lot of self-reflection and, you know, it's, it's, it's not easy to read an article and be like, fuck. Like this is aimed at me. (laughs) Oh shit, I need to like fix things or do something about this, but it's coupled with a recent Netflix special that I watch. Brene Brown has a Netflix special called... Ooh, I love her. A Call to Courage. I, yeah, I think it's called A Call to... Well, let me get on my goddamn phone and see my <laughs> notes. Um, yeah, it's on Netflix. Brene Brown, who studies shame, vulnerability, vulnerability guilt. Uh, Netflix special is called The Call to Courage. And so I watched that special... And I read that article, and one of the things in the article was about a guy who was like, you know what, I need to do something about this. I'm going to start just like a little men's support group where we talk about mental health, we talk about shame and vulnerability and, and life and relationship issues and all sorts of shit. And we just, we don't like go hunting together or go watch a football game together. We literally sit, get together and talk about our fucking feelings. We really just hammer it home. Yeah. And how much support he has felt from that group and how that group has just like continued to grow and expand and people feel more connected and they feel more close to other men, especially men that are older who may be married and like just don't really have a lot of guy friends anymore. So it sparked the interest in me in doing something about it. So I decided I posted on Facebook, hey, like I'm thinking about starting a men's mental health support group. Oh, if you're interested, that. if That's you're interested, so awesome. let me know. And uh, I got a lot of feedback. Uh, not only just people posting on my wall, but people messaging me. And then I had, I was at, uh, I was with some friends last night, and I had some guy come up to me, and he was like, "Hey, I saw your post, and like, I, I really want to get involved. I want to do this." And it was friends that are close friends, and friends that are just like people I don't know that well. Yeah. But they were reaching out saying like, "I want to do this. Like, I, I need this, and I." You know, I may not be able to afford therapy services, or I don't have the time, or I don't feel comfortable, or I feel like the only friend I have is my wife, or I feel like I'm really struggling in, in my situation. I just need other men to talk to. Mm-hmm. So that okay. So we're I'm in the works of organizing it, and there's like a little manual and stuff that I'm going to read and get familiar with, and just manual. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Sorry, I had to do it. No, that was very good. Uh, I like that a lot. Um, <laughs> And uh, so I'm going to familiarize myself with that, uh, become a little more acclimated to everything that needs to be taught and, and discussed, and do that. So, um, and I'm very much one of those people, if I, like, say I'm going to do it, I'm fucking committed. 
Um, So I'm planning to do this. I guess it'll probably be more towards the summer, early fall, but I'm excited about it. And if there's any listeners that are like, I want to do that, or you know a guy who might be interested, you know, feel free to email us and let us know. I know that's a different, a whole different scenario, but it involves mental health. And um, it's something that I've, I've wanted to do. And I just was inspired after reading, you know, listening to Brene Brown, who always talks about being vulnerable mm-hmm. and talking about shame and talking about guilt and all those issues that we don't want to talk about, especially a lot of men don't want to talk about or don't feel comfortable talking about. So it's like, hey, let's provide this space that's safe and open and inclusive and says, like, it's okay to talk about this stuff. Let's talk about it. So that is my rose. That is such a good rose. Like, I don't get on Facebook that often, so I didn't see that post, but I am so excited about that idea. And, you know, with, like, suicide rates being significantly higher for men Mm -hmm. and the fact of what you just said, that they're not getting the emotional support that maybe women are getting and they're not seeking therapy as much. I think Mm -hmm. there's statistics on that. Yeah. I think there was like less than 5% of men seek outpatient therapy services. Wow. And then men's suicide rates are three times higher than women. Mm. I think it's women attempt suicide more, but men are are successfully completing suicide more. And it's just, you know, yeah, you see those figures and it's staggering. And it's like, okay, we have to do something. We can't, and, you know, it, it, it does, it falls on our shoulders. Like, what are we going to do about it? And then how are we going to have these conversations and how do we make things better for the generation that follows after us? And a lot of the people that are showed interest, like, you know, they're young fathers or they have, you know, like me, young nieces and nephews that we want to create a better, more open, safer world for them that is also more understanding of mental health and mental illness or mental health issues. And this seems like a, a good, safe way to do that. Yeah. In addition to so many other things, obviously, but yeah, I wanted to do this. And so I said, all right, we're doing it. I love it. That's awesome. I don't know how you're going to find time to sleep because you have so many things that you're doing. (laughs) Yeah. Today was particularly, I mean, it was like three hours at the clinic and then the podcast, which is actually, this is the most therapeutic part of my day, really. (laughs) And then today I've got like a four and a half hour retreat after this uh, with an education program. And I've actually never met any of the people in the group, so we're going to see how that goes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I'm going to spend four and a half hours with them. Good God. Uh, um, small talk. <laughs> it's like my worst enemy. I hate it. I should just get deep immediately. Be like, so <laughs> let's talk about our feelings, you guys. You talk about depression? <laughs> Who's depressed today? Raise your hand. Raise your hand. Let's talk about it for the next hour. <laughs> Let's break up into subgroups. Depressed and not depressed. So speaking of depression, look at that for a segue. Nice. <laughs> um, let's let's walk through a day in the life of the depresso mm-hmm. and anxious person. So you wake up in the morning, you're depressed. What does that look like for you? For me... It looks like, I guess it feels, it's an overwhelming feeling. It's a feeling of intense sadness, and it's it's not really easy to explain. It's not like, oh, I'm sad because Steve was mean to me yesterday. <laughs> Steve, I don't know why. Um, <laughs> so Steve was mean to me yesterday. No, it's like, I'm sad and I can't explain it. And that's very frustrating. It's always frustrating to explain that to other people who aren't familiar with depression and don't realize that like it's it may not be something you did or you said. It may not be something that I can easily explain. 
And that's where it's it's a very suffocating feeling. Mm-hmm. So I wake up and I feel just like, fuck this. I don't want to. I don't want to do this. Like I don't want to do this today. I don't want to go to work. I don't want to interact with people. I don't want to have any fucking small talk at all. I don't want to have any conversation whatsoever. So that's what it feels like to me. It's just a. Uh, it's kind of like an extra weight on my shoulders. It's kind of saying like, just stay in bed. This is a safe place because I know it is a safe place. Yeah. Because I can sit there. I can eat my food, my little grapes and my entire strawberries and mm-hmm. I can watch my Netflix and I can just chill out and relax and I realize I would not have a job or friends if I did that every day uh, so I can't do that every day but I would say that's what it feels like and I, I for what it looks like I don't know if anyone if they saw me they could tell I was depressed Yeah. and I think that's something for my depression and anxiety and mental health over the years is I'm very good at wearing a mask and um, I'm very good at faking it, and I've been doing that for years, so it's difficult to discern whether or not I am depressed. You know, I'm not a, a person sitting at their windowsill and forlorn and looking out the window, and it's raining, and I'm yeah. just sad looking. <laughs> you know, I'm not doing like that. Like the commercials for antidepressants. <laughs> yeah. Which Depression the... <laughs> hurts. Remember those? Yeah. So, yeah, that that's not me. Like, I will get up and go about my day. But I have had to create, like, I've had to force myself to reach out to people so I have a support network. So people know, like, hey, check in on Emery, or, like, Emery's going to come talk to me, and i got to set some time, and that's okay. And I'm very open about it. So I have people like that at work. At the previous jobs I've had and the current job I have, I have that. I have that with family members. I have that with friends. Um, And that's taken a long time to create and cultivate because it is a lot of work. And I I realized for me, you know, a lot of the stuff that I can do, I I need support with. I cannot do this on my own. And when I get depressed like that, I'm like, just stay in bed and stay comfortable. I'm putting all the pressure on myself because nobody else knows. Nobody else knows what the fuck I'm going through. And if I don't talk about it, it doesn't get better. When I would, my my shoulder was in that, my arm was in that sling. Every person knew. Every person knew Emery's arm is in pain. Let's check in on Emery. Let's talk to Emery. You know, but with mental health, they don't see that. They don't see a mental illness. It's not as obvious as a sling. So they're not going to necessarily check in on you, you know, unless they know and you've reached out to them. So it's, it's me forcing myself, like, I have to go see people. I have to reach out to people. But the look, you honestly can't tell. And I think a lot of people don't realize that with mental illness is a lot of times you can't tell. You just don't see it. Yeah, unless you're like me and have no poker face. (laughs) So I totally relate to that, what you said about just, I don't want to do this today. Even if if I end up not having a day where I'm depressed, I kind of always, that's my first thought of the day, is just, I don't want to do this. Like, I have to actively convince myself that there are things worth lifing for, like getting up, going to work, you know, that I really have to have this like moment of convincing myself why I need to go out there and live my life Mm -hmm. because it just, it feels so hard. I'm also not a morning person at all. Um, I deal with some insomnia, so it's worse when I wake up and I stand up and my body just feels like a thousand pounds. Like I just feel so heavy and it's really hard for me to get past that. So 
one thing that I've done is I'll um, I'll set labels on my alarms the night before yeah. with positive messages to myself. Oh, nice. Because I just need something in the morning and I can make them meaningful based on my day's experience. Because, mm-hmm. you know, you wake up and usually you have the feeling tones left from the day before. Yeah. Um, I remember reading, I can't remember what book it was in, but someone said, like, don't remember pain. Yeah. So when you wake up in the morning, you know, try to say that to yourself. Like, don't remember pain. Like, this is a new day. I don't have to carry <coughs> on the same feeling tones from yesterday. Yeah. But it helps me to have some sort of positive message to myself. So since I've been anxious, I've had a lot of issues with perfectionism. And because I'm depressed, I can't do the things that make me feel better (laughs) as a perfectionist. You can never be perfect, so you're always just like, God damn it. I just feel crappy about (laughs) myself. So my alarm has been, don't look for deficits. Nice. You know. That's really cool. But, yeah, it's, it's hard for me. I definitely end up taking more sick days than most people Mm -hmm. and I also tend to when I get to work I tend to self-isolate when I'm depressed like I'm not as good at reaching out to people yeah especially co-workers Uh, I you know I have some co-workers I have good relationships with but you know usually I'll text a couple I'll text my sister and maybe a couple friends and try to just say like oh I'm having such a rough day and expressing to them what I'm going through. But at the same time, I'm like just closed off in my office. It's really hard for me to force myself to go see and talk to another person. And in my job, I could spend all day in front of the computer. Like I could just easily avoid talking to people. And that brings me even deeper into the depression. I have to, I mean, I I can relate a lot to that. Because when I was, when I was teaching, I was always in front of people, um, constantly so I was just like when I could get alone time I was like thank god uh, <laughs> and it, you know it was 105th graders a day so it was a little you know after a while you're just like all right need some alone time but I can relate to the part of being in front of a computer all day because right now I'm in very much a processing mode at work so there's a lot of computer time and a lot of emails and I find that I have to I was like all right at work I have there's like 25 of us on staff if there's something work related I'm not emailing them if I can go talk to them in person, that's what I'm going to do. If I have to pick up the phone for someone, that's what I'm going to do. But mostly, I get up because I know I need that physical exercise. I need to be moving around. And I go to their office and have a conversation with them. So I am like known at my work as the dude that comes to people's offices because I have to. I think that's such a good idea. Otherwise, I would sit in front of that fucking computer, which is just, you know, it's, it's so numbing for me. Yeah. And it just it just takes me away from anyone and anything. And I, as introverted as I am, and as much as I want to just like kind of be alone and not really be bothered, I know that I need interactions with other people. I need in-person interactions with other people. Otherwise, my day is just like, what the fuck, man? I haven't talked to anybody today. I could easily do that. I don't mm-hmm. want to do that. So I force myself not to. I... I do the little, you know, I'll even do some small talk here and there, but I'll do small talk more of where I know something about someone. So I'm like, hey, how's that cell of your house going? Or how's like, how's your mom doing? Or something like that, where it's like, obviously we have a connection, we've cultivated a relationship, and I can do something more than just like, Durr, how was your weekend, Durr? <laughs> like, yeah. Or like, this weather, right? Because yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't give a fuck about the weather. I, uh, I want to talk about real things. So, you know, that's where I'll ask about that. 
and have more of that relationship. So I am I'm definitely known around the office as being the person that goes to other people's offices, but I feel like that's creating more of a good relationship between us. And I've also expressed that to them. Like, hey, like, this is how I work. Are, are you okay with this? And we've, yeah. you know, some people prefer like, hey, like, you know, knock on the door before you come in. Or hey, other people just have their door wide open. They're like, come in anytime you want. But we, we know that. And they know that like, hey, this is, this is also, I've expressed like, this is good for my mental health. Like, I need this because mm-hmm. I can't sit in front of that computer all day. So that's what I have to do specifically. I'm going to try that. I mean, there is someone at my work who does that and he forces me to have interactions so the people who you go and see them in their offices maybe you're the person that they talk to that day and that's really meaningful for them it this is what is amazing about depression is that you can know the things that are good for you to do and your depression will still tell you not to do them yeah so i know for a fact that if i have at least one or two conversations with coworkers during the workday mm-hmm. that I feel so much better, so much healthier, and that when I leave work, I feel more able to figure out how I want to fill my time afterwards to stay engaged, you know, to have good conversations with my husband and not just like turn the TV on and zone out. Yeah. But no, I mean, when I stay isolated all day, I will close my door to cry. Um, I will, sometimes I'll spend a lot of time reading like self-help books at work because I'm so miserable that that's the only way I can think of like pulling myself out of it or maybe doing like, does that help? It does sometimes, but sometimes it will just drag me even deeper into it, but I can kind of feel that when it's happening. Mm -hmm. So I'll say, no, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to go on Pinterest and look at inspirational quotes. (laughs) Maybe that's the kind of thing that I need right sometimes now. you need that like I know that sometimes I'll watch something like Parks and Rec I'm like I just want to watch something for like 20 30 minutes get my head out of that space and just yeah. like get this easy entertainment that I always really enjoy and it's something you need sometimes so yeah the Pinterest thing makes sense and sometimes I'll do yoga stretches in the office too just really light ones because that'll just like put me back in my body or just stretching if you don't do yoga like something where you know, you're kind of grounding yourself Mm -hmm. and being, I think getting back into your body as much as possible when you're kind of stuck in your head can be so helpful. And I think for, for workspaces, what other individuals can do if they're listening to the podcast is they can be allies. So they can advocate for policy change within their workspace to make it more conducive for people who have mental health issues. Because obviously you want to create an environment that's welcoming and inclusive and safe for everyone, not only the individuals at the office, but any individuals using your services. So you want to create that environment and that culture change. And a lot of times, you know, you may not be someone who's dealing with depression or anxiety or mental health issues, but you just want to make things better and do what's right. And that actually would help a lot is saying in our workspaces, saying like, hey, what about if we make some of these changes? Like, what about, you know, and that obviously can, you know, relate to like wages and compensation and, you know, um, PTO and um, maternal leave and things like that. But it can also relate to like, hey, what little micro level changes can we do to make things a better work environment for people? Or like, how can we make it so 
people aren't spending all day in front of their computers and they're interacting with more people. Like, you know, how can we make things better? So I would say is if you want to be an ally, you know, have those conversations, do some research and see like, what can we do to make these things more welcoming and safe for people? Because a lot of times it falls on someone with mental health, you know, mental illness or someone going through it to make any changes. And it's, that's putting an extra burden on their shoulders. So I know that there's people at my work that care about those issues and they're going to talk about them because I was like, if this all falls on me, this is a, a lot more work for me and I'm fucking the one dealing with it. Yeah. So, and really, if you make things better for that environment and ensure better practices and policies for issues with mental health, it'll make things better for the entire work environment for everybody, not just someone who's struggling with a mental illness. Another thing, just kind of my PSA, is <laughs> at work... Don't assume that everybody has to be happy all the time. Yeah. I think oh, yeah. there's this kind of like cult of cheerfulness mm-hmm. in the workplace that is like an affront to my depression. Like I like I said a couple times, like I can't keep a straight face. I can't cover up my emotions. Yeah. And I feel like it's obvious to people when I'm having a rough day. And I appreciate when people kind of, you know, give me a little bit of space and don't walk up to me first thing in the morning, hey, <laughs> and just assume yeah. that I want to have this cheerful fake conversation, mm-hmm. like somehow that's going to cheer me up. It's like, no, I mean, have an authentic interaction with me. Ask how yeah. I'm doing and actually want to know how I'm really doing Yeah, and be empathic when I tell you. Well, I slept three hours last night, so just having a rough day. And yeah. just, hey, you know, I'm so sorry about that. Like, do you want to talk about it? And if I don't want to talk about it, then just, hey, well, I'm here if you need anything. That's that's a really good point. And it's a it's that thing versus empathy versus sympathy where it's, you know, be empathetic and not sympathetic. Where sympathetic is like, well, at least you got some sleep, right? Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, fuck off. Yeah. Like, I, yeah, I don't want that. I don't, I don't want the, the fake cheery bullshit that we always have to have. I think of the the movie, um, God, I wish it came out when I was a kid. Oh, my God, I wish it came out when I was a kid. The Pixar movie, Inside Out. Have you seen that? Oh, the movie's so good. It's so good. And um, Amy Poehler is the, the joy character. And mm-hmm. we want, you know, it's, it's these different emotions that are living inside the head of, um, uh, like, a 12-year-old a girl that and her family just moved, I think is, and now I'm forgetting. I love the movie, but I'm forgetting some of the details. Um, but there's there's like fear and there's anger and there's sadness and there's joy. And joy wants to be full front all the time. And sadness is always kind of put as isolated. It's like okay, don't confront the sadness. Sadness, stay over here. Yeah. Don't get involved. Sadness. But it's avoiding those emotions, those real feelings. And sometimes you're going to feel those. You're going to feel those at work when everyone's trying to be fucking happy and cheery all the time. And it's simply not attainable and not it, it's not healthy either. Yeah. Sometimes it's good to have those emotions. Like I'll, t- I'll tell people, like, when someone – we've had meetings where someone cried and they'll apologize for crying. But don't apologize for crying. Don't apologize yes. for having real feelings. Ugh. Like, honestly, have those real feelings. Let's all go through it. Like, if you're angry – I'm okay with it showing. I mean, obviously, you know, don't punch me in the face. But if you're angry, <laughs> uh, like, we can we can use those emotions and make good from those emotions. Because if we're suppressing those emotions, it only is going to make things worse. And yeah. that's what I was always doing. I was always suppressing those emotions. So it's like, just be happy all the fucking time. I can't do that. I've never been able to do that. 
So it was almost freeing for me to say, hey, like, I don't feel happiness all the time. I don't feel joy all the time. Sometimes I just feel like shit. And just let me feel like shit. Stop trying to fix things or make things better for me. Just talk to me. Or let me fucking vent. You know, when I got here and I vented to do you for a little bit, I was like, okay, that felt good. And you weren't like, oh, well, at least da-da-da-da-da. You didn't do that to me, which I appreciate. Obviously, we've gone through this stuff. (laughs) And you understand. But I, I need I need other people to understand that too. Um, yeah. Those emotions are real, and we should not suppress and avoid those emotions, especially sadness. Um, yeah. We try to avoid that all the time. And I grew up in a family, and I love them to death. But I grew up the early years was you showed joy or anger. Those are the emotions <laughs> you showed. And and now we've all you know my sister obviously has been on this show before, and she's a therapist. And my family is much more understanding, much more empathetic much more compassionate and willing to have those conversations than they were before. And I think that's so crucial because you can't avoid those feelings. And sometimes you just gotta, you gotta feel it. And yeah, it sucks. It, it sucks suck. feeling it. And I think it's, it's totally natural for us to try to avoid feeling it. Like we don't want pain, but you know, it's, you have to process it or it's just going to stay there waiting for you. Mm-hmm. It's going to come out sometime. And if it, builds up then it's going to come out way worse and with that it's so funny because i was thinking about bringing up inside out today really because something i've realized with this negative thinking how i was talking about i see something and it reminds me of a happy memory that then reminds me of something bad about that memory Oh, okay and that the bad memory is what sticks with me yeah um and it makes me so sad it makes me sad for myself Mm -hmm. to think that sucks that I can't just have a simply good memory because in all of those memories, my depression was affecting my viewpoint mm-hmm. and my um, low self-confidence was af- was affecting my perspective. And it's just naturally how our brains work. We remember the bad things because that's our brain trying to help us survive. They're trying to say, oh, you know, remember the bad things so you can stay safe. Uh, when it's actually the joyful things, that it's a lie. The joyful things are what's what are going to give us resilience. Yeah. So I'm trying to reframe my memories because right now, you know, they use those like balls in Inside Out that represent like yellow is like a positive and blue is a negative. Yeah. Um, and then sometimes they're all mixed together. Mm-hmm. So mine are kind of marbled like that. But yeah. I want to try to, you know, actively when those memories come up, to say, no, like I'm going to think about all the positive things about yeah. that memory and try to say that the negative things just weren't as big of a deal as I thought. You know, it will it could be one person's facial expression that saves it as a bad memory. Yeah. Because I overread facial expressions yeah. all the time. Mm-hmm. It's my social anxiety. And yeah, so, but I think to like just let people... Let people be sad and realize, like, some of us just aren't born as happy as other people. Mm -hmm. Like, happiness is something that's really hard won for me. And that might sound really sad, but it's it's not. I mean, I think I have to really intentionally fight for joyful moments. And Mm -hmm. I think that that makes them more joyful. I really appreciate them. You know, it's kind of that darkness defines the light thing. Mm-hmm. But it, it also means that, yeah, I have this deep appreciation for the times when I feel happy. And I can really, I think that the times when I'm sad, 
I really have to sort through my perspective of the world. Like you really have to think about why you want to be here if you're suffering with depression all the time. And that's not a thing that a lot of people think about. Yeah. And that can be a life affirming thing to make that decision. And that builds up so much resiliency. Suffering causes resiliency. Yeah, exactly. You know, it's, there's always a yin and yang to it. I feel, I mean, and this is, this is going a little off topic for the daily routine and everything for myself, but I feel that, you know, my mental illness honestly makes me a stronger person. It's made me a stronger person. It's made me more compassionate, more empathetic, more understanding, more sensitive. I am a much better and stronger version of myself. I'm a much better version than I ever was before. And I honestly attribute that to, you know, having those feelings of sadness, having those feelings of anxiety. I think those have attributed to a better, stronger version of myself. And I'm appreciative of that. I think we, you know, we view it as such a mental illness, scary, spooky, bad stuff. And I honestly view it as like, this is a strength for me. And I, I hope we can help reframe that for a lot of people that like, hey, this is not a weakness. I view this as a strength. And yeah, I'm not fucking happy, silly, joyful all the time. But as those moments do occur, it's beautiful moments that I like hold on to. I know that in the morning, sometimes if I'm having kind of a rough day, and I, I am more of a morning person. I also like don't drink coffee and things like that. I'm one of those freaks. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, I have a morning routine. And I have my little planner with a little checklist of little active things I do. And it's like, you know, my first thing in my planner says wake every day. Wow. It says wake. So it's like, hey. I fucking woke up. I got up. Check it off. Oh, I love that. And yeah. I know that like you deserve a check mark. For I waking deserve a up. check mark. Waking hey, up is hard. I woke up. I got out of bed. Check. And I know that's you know that seems so small, but for some people like that's not small at all. And like the fact that I did that, hey, that's one little accomplishment. I don't give a damn. Put a check mark. But that is that is a reflection on my mental health every day where I put wake. It is like hey, you are here. You're present. Let's get going. You know, this day might be tough, but you are resilient. You've been through shit before. You can do this. So, like, you know, one of the next ones is, like, make my bed. So I make my bed every day. So it's, like, a mm. simple little task. I put little check marks. You know, I have my breakfast. I listen to my podcast. Sometimes I listen to music if I'm not really feeling podcast. And I recently I was <laughs> – I think I was listening to that uh, Tegan and Sarah Closer song, which we actually listened to at uh, Derby together. Were you there when we listened to that song? Uh, I can't remember. Yeah, that I love that song, but I was like dancing around to it a little bit, and I moved my hand up. I guess you know I was getting really into the song, and I knocked the light fixture <laughs> off of the ceiling, <laughs> tearing then, the roof down. <laughs> I just knocked the fucker off, and it fell on the floor. And it's like a kind of a plasticky thing, and you know I felt it, and I was like, oh, this is kind of sticky. So I actually set it aside. I was like, I'm gonna clean that later because actually cleaning is a way for me to decompress and uh, de-stress. Yeah. Um, so I am, I'm a pretty clean, tidy person, and I like doing that. And it's like another little thing I can check off of a list. Like, I cleaned that today, or I organized this today. And I, I like doing that. I've liked doing that since I was a little kid. So I was like, hey, this brings me joy and happiness. And I guess, like, you know, maybe it makes me look a little weird to some people, but I like it. And it makes me feel good. And it's not hurting anybody. It's actually helping things. Yeah. So I'm going to keep doing it. 
And actually, my roommate put the light fixture back up on the thing, on the ceiling without knowing that I was going to clean it, so I never got to clean it. But the <laughs> thing is, he was like, it's really sticky. Um, but uh, <laughs> So I knocked that over doing that. But those are like little things that I do and like make breakfast. Like I check that off each day. Like today, I had my breakfast before I went to the clinic. That's checked off. I went to the clinic today. That's checked off. Like, hey, I did things today. Like that even makes if, so much sense. Even if I have the worst fucking day, I can always know like, hey, I can just check off those little things. Like I did it. Okay. Like this day was tough and you have lived through your worst days. Mm-hmm. So I've lived through my worst days. I've experienced that and I'm moving forward because that's, that's all I can do. And I know from my suicide attempt and my experience, like I got a lot of people that care about me and I got a lot of people that want me and need me in their life and so like hey like I know like there's two quotes that I always say to myself it's like remember why you fight and that quote I say to myself like hey when I'm struggling remember why I fight and I'm I'm fighting daily and I'm fighting not only for the people in my life that I care so much about and like my community and everything of that I'm fighting for myself yeah and then the other one is and we talked about this before during my suicide attempt where I kept hearing my grandfather say uh, you don't have the guts and so I've reframed that to you do have the guts. Nice. And so I've taken a negative and reframed it into a positive and saying like, hey, like, I know I can do this. Like, you know, Emery, you've, you've been through this before. And as I said, you've lived through your worst days. Mm-hmm. And so I know I can do this. So it's, it's those little things. And, and I, you know, sometimes say that stuff to myself a lot during the day. But it's like, hey, like, I know I can do this. And I, I do breathing exercises and little quotes to myself and obviously little like, I'm going to look, I'm going to watch Parks and Rec, or I'm going to look at, like, some happy news, or I'm going to text a friend, or even, like, memories that I have with people in the past. Like, if I, I'll, you know, because sometimes I do that thing where I only think of the negative shit, mm-hmm. and I'm like, I'm going to think about my dad for 10 minutes, and I'm going to think about everything that makes me happy about my dad. I'm going to think about every memory that I love about him. I'm going to think about everything I love about him. I'm not going to think about, like, oh, I should, you know, I, I, I regret not doing this, or I should have done that. I'm just going to think, like, hey, my dad's really good at this, or my dad really great at that, or I loved when my dad did this for me, or something like that. Like, I'm trying to reframe it as much as I can to, like, just think about, like, little positive memories. So sometimes sometimes I'll be cooking breakfast and just, like, like, tears will be going on my face because I'm just, like, thinking about, like, someone in my life that I love so much Hmm. that they've done all these great things. A lot of times I'll just, like, send a text or reach out afterwards, but... It's, it's knowing that, like, I'm not thinking, oh, well, my dad said this that one time and I was really sad about it because yeah. I know I can do that. And I've done that before. But if I'm like, hey, I need to, like, reframe it a little bit and think about those great happy moments, I can do that, too. Yeah. So. And. Um, sorry, that was a lot. I just. No. Was... <laughs> That's so great. I mean, I feel like your coping skills are way different than mine and I can. I can take a lot from them. I and feel everybody's like, different with that stuff, too. So Yeah. I, I think that it's hard for me to have a prolonged time that I focus on something positive. Mm-hmm. So sometimes I have to pick something as neutral as possible yeah. to try to get away from the negative intrusive thought. Like what's a safe thing for me to think about? What's a safe yeah. place for my brain to go? And lately I've been having a lot of intrusive thoughts. Mm-hmm. Like I'll picture like my husband Seth dying and it's like I literally am picturing myself sobbing over his lifeless body. Jeez. And yeah. I start crying just thinking about it. And one thing I've discovered, I, well, with that, it was more of I had to really think for a while. And this is where it comes down to 
having to have a really good sense of why you're here. Mm -hmm. But um, because I'm not religious, death is really a common intrusive thought for me. It's something that's very anxiety inducing and causes, you know, really like causes my depression to get worse. But I've found this kind of thought pattern of thinking, I'll think about like the Big Bang and I'll think about how we're all just like expanding out from that. Mm -hmm. And that for all of us, it's just for me with my belief system, it's this lucky accident that we're here and that we somebody told me once that with your loved ones, when you're trying to cope with, you know, those kind of fears to think about, you know, I may be responsible for them, but they don't belong to me. Mm-hmm. And thinking that, you know, my husband doesn't even belong to me. Yeah. And, you know, if you believe in God, you might think they belong to God. For me, I think they belong to the universe. Yeah, The universe created them. The universe made this situation that we happen to meet each other, that we happens to be born. So I'm just going to appreciate the time that we have together. Nice. And that's it. And that really helped me, helped kind of soothe me. Another thing that worked recently was I was up early in the morning and that's when sometimes I get my worst intrusive thoughts. That's typically about, you know, regretting things that I've said or done. Um, really obsessing about stuff related to social anxiety. And uh, I don't know what made me think about this, but I just imagine my grandparents' house and I, I mentally walked through the house. Hmm. I, you know, and it was fun because I could look at like these different places that brought so much happiness to me. Oh, wow. And I remembered more and more as I was walking through yeah. the house. It, it was like my mind palace or something. Yeah. I was like, cool. oh, I remember that map now. And I remember where that recliner was. And I didn't know that I remembered every single room in that house. I didn't realize other people did that. So I, you I do did, that too? Yeah, I do that too. I've done that for houses. I've done that for places I've worked. And it's usually like... It's like remembering all those little details and kind of just being lost in that area. And like, it's like, you know, kind of putting your, and you're not putting your body there anymore, but you you feel like you are. It's almost like in, for me, it's almost like a dream state really. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I've done that exact same thing. So that's really cool. I didn't think anybody else did that. <laughs> it's the only thing I've found that really interrupts the intrusive thoughts because I oh. tend to follow them. Yeah. You know, i my anxiety makes me think if you just follow this thought enough, you can solve it. Yeah. You can make it better and it doesn't happen. Yeah. You know, you just end up obsessing about it forever. But that's one thing that seems to really occupy my brain. Mm-hmm. Um, other than that, it's really like TV. <laughs> I've got a major TV addiction for sure. Yeah. Um, I think a lot of us do. But for me, I've been trying to cut back on the TV lately. Like, trying to spend at least a couple hours after work not watching TV, just like decompressing with my husband about the day, sitting on the porch, maybe reading, hanging out with my kitties, gardening, going for walks, because I really can zone out watching TV. It doesn't help to feel guilty about it, though. Like, sometimes that's all you can do, and that's okay. And sometimes you need that. Like, Yeah. And I know, yeah, I'll do that, and I I sometimes find it very therapeutic. Like, especially if it's something that brings me joy or happiness, or it's something that's very interesting to me, and I'm learning something from it, then I'm like, yeah, this is good. I like this. There's an active way to watch it. I think when you're passively watching it, 
can kind of make you more depressed. Mm-hmm. It's like, well, I'm not really interested in this, but at least I'm not having to think. My intrusive thoughts are at night, though. Really? So I find myself, I reach out at night. Like I, that's, I mean, that's one of the main reasons I do. Uh, so, and you've been before where I host trivia, and I host trivia with you know one of my best friends, and and the reason I do that is because it is a very therapeutic thing for me. And it's like, I go up there, you know, I'm with, you know, a great friend and we're interacting, having fun, being silly. And, you know, yeah, we get occasional drinks for free and that's nice. And I get pizza and, but it's just a nice way to, it just, it takes me away from that setting where I I would be alone and I would just like think dark thoughts. And that was where it would just, it was overwhelming. Instead, I'm like with someone who brings me a lot of joy and happiness, my friend, and then doing something that brings me a lot of joy and happiness. And that's also, you know. Uh, your husband is particularly very good at trivia. Um, so <laughs> like I'm it's not, annoying how good he is he's at trivia. so fucking good. So I'm not playing, but I see the answers and the questions, and I like that because then I can see, like, you know, if someone answers it incorrectly, if there's, like, a pattern, I can see that as well. Mm-hmm. So that's fun to me. So ah, I can see little patterns, yeah. but also I have the answers right there, and I get to do the reading. So it's fun for me. Um, but that's something, like, I had to actively say to myself, Emery, you're busy during the day. You're always busy. You're good in the morning, but at night is when things kind of go haywire. The structure's gone. So the structure's gone. Yeah. I like structure. And, yeah, me too. Um, so I noticed that I'm going to start doing that. And that's why I've done that for over two years now. And he gets paid for it. I don't get paid. And oh, I didn't know that. I figured you guys went splitsies. No, he, take, he takes all the money. <laughs> <laughs> and I told him I'm okay with that. That's fine. But I, I need that. I need that interaction with a close friend often. And then interaction with other people and then getting away from those mindsets of like just because those negative thoughts hit. And sometimes I just like sit in those thoughts. But other times I'm like, hey, this is not good for me. And I know like when I attempted or when I had the most suicidal thoughts or the most issues was during these hours when I didn't have that structure. So now I have that little structure and something to look forward to each day as well. Yeah. And I think too, like structured activities can be a lot less stressful Mm -hmm. than kind of loosely defined activities so if people are just giving getting together to chat and have drinks sometimes that's like really triggering for my social anxiety because Mm. it's it's this unstructured activity yeah um, for this undefined amount of time but like something like trivia it's like i know exactly what to expect you know, there's an activity bringing people together that helps me too it's very comforting yeah But, yeah, any sort of, like, rituals, I think, can help, Mm -hmm. you know, so that you're not coming home and just going, what do I do? Like, ugh, what do I do with myself now? And I'm very, like, I put all that stuff in my planner, and I'm very, like, I like to analyze data and look at how I've done. So I'll, like, see, like, okay, five out of the seven days I did this, so that was good. Mm -hmm. How can I do it to make it seven out of seven days next week? And it could be, like, I made my own dinner five out of seven days or like ate the dinner that I made instead of going and spending money out or just skipping dinner. Mm -hmm. Um, So like looking at that, I actually like to do that and it doesn't really, it doesn't make me sad because it actually always makes me look at like self-improvement and how I can improve the next week. So it's like me setting little goals for myself and I do that constantly with my planner because I've also come to the point of like, I'm not going to be able to put a check mark by everything and I'm okay with that. I used to beat myself up about it and now I'm like, dude whatever like you're just gonna miss some stuff maybe you can stuff. just put a smiley face if you didn't do the thing just put a smiley face to be like, it's okay. Be like, it's okay it's all right or just like the shrugging emoji, the shrug emoji like, yeah, yeah. Oh, whatever. what are you gonna do yeah, well it passed who gives yeah. a fuck yeah 
Oh, that's awesome. Uh, but yeah, I was going to add one more thing for people who do have a TV addiction like me. Just remember, David Foster Wallace was a self-proclaimed TV addict, and he was a genius. So, yeah. there is okay. There are so many programs you can watch though that provide so much information and knowledge right. that like you can grow, you can challenge yourself. Yeah, with you can that activity. watch different documentaries. Like, there's so many different things you can watch, and I honestly I view it as like very therapeutic and very informative and engaging. So, and sometimes I'll, you know, do it like last night, my roommate and I, like we watched something together that made us both laugh. And that was great. It was so much fun to just be together with a person I really care about and just laughing together. And, and like talking through it. Yeah. And, and just, you know, it just like, that's fun, silly stuff that also is very therapeutic and very good for you. Yeah. It's all about just kind of keeping it at a level that is good for you. Because for me, if I, if I go beyond that, like five hour mark with watching TV, which is real for me. Yeah. I mean, it's not hard for me to do that even on a weeknight. Um, but I've noticed if I get past that mark, I start to feel depressed again and more depressed than I was before. I'm just like, I'm not even a human. I'm just a disgusting couch slug and I hate myself I like that you're self-aware though I mean you are aware that like hey this is too much for me I'm like oh I gotta go read a fucking book (laughs) I gotta gotta get out of here I gotta have a conversation with somebody yeah too much too much well I feel like we covered a lot of ground with a day in the life of Emery and Lizzie Um, (laughs) and I like that you know we we go for that day in life, but we also hit so many other areas in different yeah. realms that I, I, I appreciate that a lot. So Yeah. This is this is very I mean, even though I was like, Oh, this is one more thing to do, but this is very therapeutic for me. So that's why hey, help help people come on the show so we can <laughs> enjoy this therapy together. Yes. I mean the more the more stories you hear, the more normal you feel. Mm-hmm. Like it's exactly. all about normalizing it. Yes. And like we said earlier, just like appreciating that it's part of who you are and that it has gifts that come with it. Exactly. It's not just pain. Mm-hmm. You know, you have, it gives you a unique perspective on the world um, because we all experience it differently. Yeah. And it can be a thing that connects us there. We are a very depressed and anxious nation yeah. and world. So there's a lot of people to talk to about this <laughs> who probably have been wanting to talk about it and haven't exactly. found an outlet. Yep. Exactly. So anyway, you know, keep talking about your feelings. That's always my kind of tagline. And you Let's can do it. contact us, two nuts in a podcast at gmail.com. Find us on Facebook, Two Nuts in a Pod, Stitcher, SoundCloud, iTunes, and Instagram. Instagram, but it's the number two, right? Yeah. Okay. The number number two. two nuts in a pod. All right. Well, thanks for listening, guys. Bye. Bye.